My brothers and sisters, the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, the onlooker should laugh at him and say, this one began to build but did not have the resources to finish. Or what king marching into battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops? But if not, while he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for peace terms. In the same way, any one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. In recent weeks, there's been a, a lot of talk in both regular news and entertainment sources, as well as on Catholic sites, about a Hollywood actor by the name of Shia LaBeouf. Being only in his 30s, he might not have the same name recognition to everyone like a Tom Cruise or Meryl Streep, but he's been working pretty consistently to some notoriety for over 20 years now. And as is often the case for many entertainers, especially those who start at a young age, it's been what he's done off screen that's often gotten more notice over the years. One article summed it up saying, up until last week, there were few positive search results for Shia LaBeouf's name on any search engine website. The actor has had a slew of mishaps, several ending up with police officers and inside courtrooms. Suffice it to say, everything from drunken and disorderly behavior to accusations of sexual assault by an ex-girlfriend have continued to be associated with LaBeouf. But what made recent headlines was when LaBeouf in an interview stated that he had recently become Catholic. And ever since, there's been an ongoing, lively discussion with every extreme chiming in about those claims, from those skeptically imagining that it's just a public relations stunt, to those celebrating this famous bad boy becoming Catholic giving us who share his newfound faith some more credibility or something. It's one of the burdens for people in the public eye to find everything that they say and do to be consumed and dissected and judged. 
But for us here, it's providential that it's been trending for the last few weeks to cause us as Catholics to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be Catholic, to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Because that's what today's gospel is all about. For several weeks, in fact, the Sunday gospels from St. Luke have been following Jesus as he's heading towards Jerusalem, facing his unjust trial, his passion, and death on the cross. And all these dialogues and teachings and answers to questions being posed by people along the way that we've heard proclaimed in these weeks, they're all colored by what he knows awaits him. His heart and his mind are consumed with his mission, but equally with what he's asking of those who say that they're following him. And just to refresh our minds in some of what we've heard, Jesus highlighted the need to be selfless and sacrificial in giving of ourselves. We've reflected on, on Jesus underscoring the reality that following him will not bring us peace and acceptance in this world. Far from it. Even causing division where we'd least want or expect to find it among those closest to us, even among family members. We've been reminded that following Jesus is hard work. It's a grind that we need to be striving to enter a narrow gate and that not many will be able to achieve it because it's such hard work. And now we come to today's gospel where we hear the need to carry our own crosses and these verses about hating father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even our own lives, in order to be a true follower. It's enough to cause some to want to ask, Jesus, do you want people to follow you? Because it almost sounds like you're trying to talk people out of it. Particularly hearing that word hate directed towards those who are often the ones we love the most in this world. It sounds the complete opposite of what we'd expect from Jesus, the incarnation of love, or hearing that description of hate directed towards one's own life. Hating one's life is often described as an attitude that could be found at the root of so much mental health suffering that many struggle with, like depression or anxiety or fear. So is Jesus really advocating that? It's good that those verses stand out and bother us. They should. They're meant to cause us to snap to attention and go, wait, did I just hear that? (laughs) Did I hear that right? That, That can't be. And that was the reason that Jesus uses that language, which is a way that the rabbis would teach, being overly dramatic and extreme to get their attention of their listeners and to make a point. It's like when people would say nowadays, I've been running all day, or I've told you this 20,000 times. Or, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. We get the point when people say that. They've been really busy. They're beyond frustrated having to repeat themselves. They're really, really, really hungry. Jesus is using hyperbolic examples to speak essential truths. Because Jesus, who without question, loved his mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, and his foster father, St. Joseph, He employs this extreme language towards family to make the point that 
following him means that he comes first. That nothing and no one, the ties of even those most intimate of relationships and their requests and their demands can undermine that relationship with him. That needs to be the primary and goal of our lives. And if it does, if we feel there's ever a tension between the two, that the disciple has to make that choice and the decision that Jesus has to come first. We have to follow him and be led in the paths that our loving Father has laid out for us and yield to the Holy Spirit's moves and prompts in our lives in order to accomplish all that. It reminds me of a guy who I knew who felt that call to the priesthood and wanted to discern it and enter the seminary. And as his parents and his family went from being mildly concerned about it when he first brought it up to threatening to disown him if he did. He did enter the seminary, leaving their home with them practically ignoring him and shunning him for some time. No, he didn't hate them. In fact, he sobbed many times over that tension, which, praise God, by the time he was ordained, had been healed and reconciled and his, his parents and family were celebrating with him. But it's gospel passages like this that made him realize that God's call had to come before what everyone and everything around him was saying. But it's not just limited to a religious vocation example like that. And that's what's so fascinating about stories like Shia LaBeouf's. Because here's this young actor. He had been raised Jewish. He received his bar mitzvah when he had turned 13. But he often described his, his Jewish faith through the years in more cultural terms. Talking about being Jewish like one would describe being Italian or Filipino. When it came to God, he was more agnostic. But in an interview with Bishop Robert Barron, he shared a little bit of his conversion story, saying, my life was on fire. I was walking out of hell. I didn't want to be an actor anymore. My life was a complete mess. I'd hurt a lot of people. I've been abusive to women, shooting dogs. I've been willingly giving women STDs. It's disgusting. It's depraved. And my mother's embarrassed beyond all imagination. The shame that he felt brought him to the darkest of places where he shared, I had a gun on the table. I didn't want to be alive anymore. There was shame like I had never experienced before. The kind of shame where you forget how to breathe. It was then that a friend who was in a self-help group with him and was directing an upcoming film on St. Padre Pio had asked Shia if he had ever heard of that man and suggested he might be good for that part. Never anticipating that as Shia would de delve into preparing for the role and studying this priest from the 20th century that he would be amazed by Padre Pio's story but even more by the sincerity of all the priests that he was meeting and studying with. Something deep within him started to change. He started to realize that he had misunderstood who Jesus was. Up until then, for Shia, Jesus was like Buddha or something, always gentle, he described it. 
But then he began to read the Gospel of St. Matthew and saw Jesus' adventure and strength being lived out in all of those teachings and miracles and his life and his death and resurrection. He saw that Jesus demanded everything of his followers. He saw the intimacy that Catholics experience with Jesus Christ in the Eucharist here and now. And there was a longing for that himself. And he said that was the turning point for him. He said, I'm an all-immersion person. And when he saw the difference that Jesus made to these friars that he had come to know and live with, he was able to start to share his wounds with them and begin to see how much was false and fake in his life and what really mattered. And it was in this letting go that he found that God was real and made a real difference in his life. The sacredness of being in a chapel and attending mass gave him real peace where he longed for Jesus himself and wanted to receive him in the Eucharist. He wanted to experience Jesus' forgiveness of his sins, knowing that his past did not have to define him. Of all the reactions, seeing some Catholics who are surprised or skeptical has been the most interesting to me. It's like they can't believe that a Hollywood actor who has money, fame, and power talking about the difference Jesus made for him. Which makes you wonder, who's the more faithful one? Charlotte LaBeouf, this new convert, or the lifelong Catholic who's so skeptical? Because Jesus pretty explicitly tells us throughout the Gospel that those very things, money, fame, and power, they don't bring us happiness. We can't look to them to make us happy. And many not along with those sayings because, well, most of us don't have those things. But Jesus isn't saying those things to make us who haven't gotten the breaks feel better. And he's not saying that those things are evil in themselves. He's telling us following him has to come first. So people who do have money, fame, and power, they have unique opportunities and they also have extra responsibilities in their discipleship. But to bring us back full circle, what does it mean to be Catholic, to be a follower of Jesus Christ for you and me? For too many, we have been led to believe that Jesus has come to teach people to make good choices and to be good people, whatever that means. It's just left deliberately vague and open-ended. But the more vague and more open-ended leaves it to being manipulated into outright lies. Being a good person and making good choices only makes sense when our definition of goodness is connected to true goodness, when it's connected to holiness. And that's found in Jesus Christ. And making choices, meaning obeying his word. It means that everything has to be held up for scrutiny. Is what I'm saying, what I'm doing, bringing me closer to Jesus? Are further away from him and then being courageous and bold in response so back to this gospel maybe it won't be one's family that's the obstacle that I need to hate but perhaps I need to hate my cell phone or electric device maybe I need to hate that bad habit I've developed 
Do I actually hate the sins that I struggle with? Or have I allowed myself to be comfortable with them? Maybe even repeatedly confessing them, but not really striving to put them to death. Maybe I need to hate my job. And not in the, let me complain about it every day kind of sense. But recognizing the time and the energy and the focus I bring to it eclipses everyone and everything else. The point is wrestling with the question of who or what things have become gods in my own life. And when we do, then the call to take up our cross becomes even more real. The sacrifices and the pain attached to that carrying comes into view on a much more personal level because it's hard, it's difficult, it's sometimes even painful work. But the good news is that we don't walk that path alone. We don't carry that cross ourselves. Jesus Christ, who is so real and present that has shook a Hollywood actor like Shia LaBeouf to his innermost core to reconsider his entire life, wants to do the same for us. He's that real and present here. And that's the gift that we as Catholics often take for granted, that we have that intimacy when we receive his body and blood in the Eucharist. We can experience that gift of freedom that we desperately desire in the sacrament of reconciliation when we confess our sins and receive his forgiveness. The question is, will we hate and remove those things that are preventing us from appreciating and receiving these precious gifts to become the faithful followers he's calling us to be.